Uh, look, I, Dr. Lane Norton is our guest today. And, Doc, the reason why I wanted to bring you on this show is because you call it for what it is. If it's bullshit out there as far as the nutrition industry, you're going to tell it exactly how 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 that, that how that goes. And I need to know, not only myself personally, but I know us three here, but those that are listening, and I don't know, I'm not a nutritionist. I don't, I'm not a PhD like yourself, but I get a lot of questions just because I work out every day and I try to watch, yeah. I try to watch what I eat, but I'm getting a ton of questions on nutrition and I can't answer those questions. And we got a lot of listeners that are on our show and including ourselves, mm-hmm. man, we are so intrigued and we're so happy to have you on it, on this show mm-hmm. because you're going to answer those questions for us today. It's all on you. All of Doc. All of Doc, it's all on you, brother. A lot of pressure, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> but what we first want to do – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, uh, that's all right. I'll, I'll, do, uh, I'll answer what I can. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a long conversation. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. And I think with anything and what people forget is that, um, you know, there's not really black and white answers. That's just not how things work. You know, Darren, you played – in the NFL as a, as a you know, defensive back, if somebody said, hey, what's the one technique I should use to be a better defender, what would you tell them? I have zero idea, depending on the situation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It depends, right? That's, yeah. that's what you're going to hear from me and what I say a lot is it depends, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same for a lot of things in life, but I think one of the things people struggle with is since everyone eats, everyone has formed some opinion about nutrition based off their experience with food. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have that opinion. The problem is, is trying to distill that down into what's real versus what is your anecdote and just your experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how yeah. did you get involved in nutrition? I mean, at what age was it that you started to say, you know, the, the, the nutritional value of what you've learned or, or what you go, cause I know you are power, you power lifted, you did bodybuilding, you know, what was it, when was it in, at your age that you started in this, this uh, journey? Yeah. So it depends. I'll try to give the really short answer to that. Um, so when I was young, like uh, 15 years old, I uh, got picked on a lot and did not get a lot of attention from girls. So I started lifting weights to try and remedy that. Now, lifting weights remedied neither of those things. <laughs> I, I really developed a passion for uh, weight training. Uh, and I played baseball through high school, but I wasn't a great ball player. And I, you know, five foot ten, light hitting, right handed first baseman are exactly in high demand. <laughs> so um, I, I knew that I wanted to go to college and uh, I loved science. I knew I wanted to do something with science. I thought I wanted to do marine science. But I was also a very competitive person. So when I got out of baseball, um, you know, bodybuilding was kind of like, well, I really like lifting weights. And I found out that there was team bodybuilding competitions. And I was kind of like, well, maybe we could do that. Maybe that would be a good outlet for me uh, to kind of, you know, vent some of those, uh, vent the demons, as as it were. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I always say today, um, you know, if it wasn't for resistance training, uh, God knows where I'd be at the moment. (laughs) Um, so I, as I got into that, I did my first show when I was 19, I just fell in love with the process, but 
at the same time, you know, if you're reading these, at the time, the only information we had, this is circa 2001, the only information we had was what was in bodybuilding magazines and what was in fitness magazines. And you read one magazine that says one thing, and another magazine says another thing, exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, in the same magazine, it would contradict itself. Yeah. So I was kind of like, man, I wonder if I could go figure this out for myself. And so I switched my major. I was actually in marine science. Uh, I was going to uh, Eckerd College in St. Pete, Florida. Mm. I actually wanted to be originally a shark biologist. Huh. Uh, so I switched from marine science to biochemistry. And then about three years into my biochemistry degree, I was like, wow. The more I learned, the more I realized I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. So um, I decided, well, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but hey, if I go get a grad school degree, it probably won't hurt me in terms of employment. So maybe I'll just go do that. Um, and I was fortunate enough. I mean, looking back, I really got this is where kind of hard work and luck come together. Um, I was fortunate enough to get with Dr. Don Lehman, who is one of the foremost experts in the world in protein metabolism. And uh, he was my advisor, and he was not just an expert, but he was a just amazing advisor. I've never met somebody so intelligent, but also who could speak to the average person and distill really complicated concepts into very simple um, kind of kind of just any, something anybody could understand. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that was a great um, experience, the six years I did my PhD, just being with him. Uh, and he was very encouraging of my bodybuilding career as well. He was very encouraging about like, writing articles and writing content. He always said, you know, uh, publishing scientific literature is great and it's important, but, you know, take the information to the people. He said, yeah. Because, you know, the average person isn't going to read an article in the Journal of Nutrition. Yeah. So I did that. I got into that and actually started my, I was getting so many, um, I was getting so many inquiries uh, because I was on like the bodybuilding.com forums and writing articles for bodybuilding.com and started writing articles for muscular development and other magazines. And I actually had so many people messaging me saying, hey, would you help me with my nutrition? And then I started a coaching business just out of sheer, hey, looks like people want this. Mm. Um, and I was kind of one of the first, and I wasn't the first, but one of the first people you know, before Instagram and everybody with a six-pack was a nutrition company. <laughs> um, Eight-week body transformation on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah, so I was one of the first people to kind of scale online coaching and uh, just kind of just stumbled into it, to be honest, mm. and uh, did that for a long time. And that's kind of how the business side of things started. And that's kind of the springboard to where I got to today, so. Awesome. And on this show, we talk a lot about journey, right? And we talk about, okay, we, we look at people and you, you're at the top of the nutrition fitness game, right? You've been on Joe Rogan. You've been on some of the top, top platforms uh, there are in this industry. Uh, but we also, we want to understand how you got there and, and, and we heard your journey, but I want to dig back a little bit more into maybe your high school earlier years, because you, you decided to pick a, um, a route in bodybuilding that is not easy, right? It, not the average person can do it. I was a wrestler, you know, all through high school. So I went through like the, the, you know, the crash diet, the crazy dieting and stuff, you know, but there's something about you, right? Because you chose a profession that was really, really hard, took a lot of hours, a lot of discipline, a lot of dedication, and then took that continued on and then, and then grew a very, very successful business off of that. Not to mention, Hey, I've got my PhD in nutritional science along the way. 
But what is it, do you think early on, was it your parents? Was it because you were picked on? What do you think drove you at an early age to strive to be hyper successful? And then again, I've, and I breezed over the powerlifting accolades that you have as well too, right? Like you went through powerlifting set world records in your weight class. I mean, there's crazy stuff that you've done. Like, what do you think it was about you that drove you to be that, that successful? So I, I think parents was, was one thing. Uh, I had really good parents. Um, they didn't, you know, I came from a lower middle class family. Um, I did, my parents didn't play sports. They were very supportive, very supportive. And they always said, so we'll do, we'll support you, whatever you want to do. As long as it's making it, as long as it's positive, as long as you, I mean, my dad always said, he's like, son, I want you to just love what you do and live within your means. Mm. And regardless of whatever that is, we will support you. Mm. Man, so when that's good. When bodybuilding started, I mean, they were they were kind of like concerned because they're like, okay, he's bringing home bag of these. And these <laughs> he's a little banana hammock. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? When I did my first bodybuilding show, they were the loudest people in the audience. That's awesome. They became big fans, and actually, you know, they're, they're staying with me this weekend, and we've uh, we've had some good reminiscing. Um, but I think, you know, if I had to psychoanalyze myself a little bit, um, probably what drove me a lot was people telling me I'd never be anything. When I was a kid, um, I just, you know, I think when somebody goes through, I mean, you know, all kids get, you know, get a little bit of, if not bullying, but yeah. just like, you know, messed with by their peers. That's mm -hmm. normal. I think some shrug it off. I think some get really depressed from it. And then I think some use it as motivation to, you know, to, to mm -hmm. do better. And I always, you know, I, I got it pretty bad. I was pretty low on the totem pole when it came to, mm -hmm. you know, um, the social circles in school. And um, I just kept thinking, you know, I'll show you. But I, I will tell you, you know, that, that skill, I think, you know, I tell people, people talk about having confidence. And I always say that you can't just tell yourself to be more confident and then all of a sudden you're more right, confident. Right. That's not how it works. That's a skill that has to be developed. And I think that that comes from just you have that big goal, but then you have little things along the way that build it, right? And I think one of the first light bulb moments for me was I was I was eight years old, and my parents had signed me up for minor league. They called it minor league baseball. It was with the pitching machine, right? And um, you know, I played t-ball and all that kind of stuff. And I um, I was not very good at it, but I had fun doing it, you know. But I one day after practice, my mom came up to me and she's like, "Honey, I see you goofing off all practice." She's like, "Now, I, it's not that I don't want you to have fun." But we're spending $100 on this. And at the time, that was a lot for my family. Mm -hmm. Like, we're spending a lot of money on this. And so if you don't like baseball, that's okay. We'll go find something that you like, but we want you to apply yourself. And I just remember thinking, well, I don't want to stop playing baseball. So I just started putting more work into practice. And um, I got better. And at the end of the year, um, our coach, I never, I'll never forget this, even as eight, eight year old, how much of an impression this had on me. They really didn't register until later in life, but they had, uh, we finished much higher than our team should have. Like, we didn't have a lot of talent. We were kind of scrappy. Um, and our coach, he was really cool. He went out and got extra trophies, not just a participation trophy you get, but he got us, I think we finished like third place. He got us like most valuable player, best hitter, mm. you know, that mm. kind of stuff. And when he called most improved player, he called my name. And at that moment, it was like, Holy crap. I'm not just fated to something. I can work at something and get better. Mm -hmm. So 
when I got into bodybuilding, I'll, I'll still remember this. Like this is so you also you go through setbacks, you overcome those setbacks, you go through small setbacks, you overcome those setbacks, and that kind of builds you to the point where when the bigger setbacks happen, you feel confident you can overcome them. So, uh, like for example, one of those was I tore my pec uh, completely away from the tendon in 2008, and that was that's a real bad uh, yeah. injury, especially in bodybuilding. And I mean, uh, the first surgeon I went to was like, "This is like sewing hamburger back together." I, mm. I'm not advising you to get surgery. Well, I found a really good surgeon who actually uh, worked with the Chicago Bears. Um, I'll shout him out. It's Michael Corcoran. Yeah, because I was in Illinois at the time, and he actually was able to do the repair. And it took me a year and a half to come back. But I remember when I came out of when I came out of uh, anesthesia, and they told me that the surgery had worked, that they would have been able to reattach it. I remember thinking, I don't care how long it takes, I'm going to be back, mm-hmm. and I'm going to show all these people. And there was at that time, I'd kind of get gotten a little following online. And of course, when you have those setbacks, and I've always been somebody really transparent. Like I'll talk about a setback while I'm going through it. A lot of people talk about them afterwards. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll talk about it while I'm going through it. <laughs> Because I want people to know that that is normal. That is a normal thing. Because all you see on Instagram is the highlights. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, people were like, oh, you'll never be back. You'll, you know, that's the end of your career, this and that. 18 months later, I stepped on a bodybuilding stage, and the judges couldn't even tell which uh, pack had been surgically repaired. Wow. So, uh, and I actually won. That was my first uh, natural pro show. So I always competed drug-free in bodybuilding yeah. and power. Okay. And so that was the first. Uh, my first pro show was that one. I actually won the heavyweight division. That's so that awesome. Was, that was pretty cool. But that was a, so that was another big, like, confidence boost. Okay, I can come back. And I've gone through several injuries. Like, even when I set the world squat record at that time, I like I really struggled with a, a back injury during that time. I was able to get past it. And then in 2017, I had a lot of stuff happen. Divorce, life kind of fell apart overall. And um, I injured, I re-injured my back really badly to the point where I couldn't even walk. Oh. But having the experience of going through so many setbacks, you know, I just said, I just said to myself, you know what? Maybe I'll never get back, but I'm just going to go through the steps that I know would make it possible for me to get there. If it's possible, this is the way to do it. And I'm just going to put that work in and just, you know what? In a couple of years, if I look up and I'm not back, then hey, at least I tried. Yeah. And yeah. It's amazing what happens when you do that. You I know? love it. I love and, it. I, and, uh, I think our, I always, our – go ahead. I always tell people, I, I say – a lot of people say trust the process, and I say trust the work. I say <laughs> yeah, trust preach. you put that work in, it's going to work out. That's awesome. I just think our culture is so – afraid of failing and so afraid of going through the work, going through the struggle, um, that they don't, they don't give their, their selves the opportunity to grow. Mm -hmm. So they're just, it's just status quo. I'm just going to go. This is what, like you said, right? Like, Oh wait, I'm not just going to be blended in with a team and just a guy out there. I can actually put in the effort and I can actually grow. That's awesome. But the question I would have for you is, you know, for, for most athletes or, or those that are really accomplishing things, how selfish were you? Did you have to become selfish in your own right to meet those goals? I think for a time you have to have some element of that. Now, it's always been a little bit difficult for me because I wear many hats. You know, I'm, I'm dad, I'm uh, husband, I uh, you know, own several businesses, I do social media content, you know, I do interviews, I do all that kind of stuff. And actually, um, my wife, Holly, She's been really good about, you know, telling me, she's like, you know, you're not, 
You're not 25 anymore. <laughs> Aren't they really good at that? Reminding us what we can't do. <laughs> well, my wife, my wife is Australian. You've never met an Australian woman. They are very blunt. <laughs> I married an Italian. I think I think those two cultures. Uh... <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's definitely not what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Yeah. So she had said, you know, you know, you've got to you've got to you know prioritize what is your priority. If you want to be competitive with some of these younger guys, you're probably going to have to put in make it more of a priority in terms of your rehab and your prehab and you know that kind of stuff and your preparation. So yes, in that aspect, um, you do have to be a little selfish at certain points because. Um, if you don't, you know, you've only got so many spoons. Right. And I mean, there's, you know, there's a reason that when fighters are getting ready for fights, they go to a camp. Yeah. Right? Get away. Yep. And even we, we actually interviewed uh, Mr. Olympia, Brandon Curry for our podcast yesterday. And he went out to, um, before he won this past Mr. Olympia, the first one he won, he went out to Kuwait with his coach because that's where his coach is based. And he stayed there for several months. In fact, a good portion of the year. And he was like, you know what? The amount of training I was able to tolerate blew my mind. Mm. But it's it's different because when you can just focus on that one thing versus you're trying to run a business and you're trying to be dad and you're trying to do all this, you know, it's, it's tough. I always tell people, you know, people really get worried about balance. And I, what I tell people is it's hard to be balanced at any one time of your life. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you probably should be balanced over the course of your life, huh. right? Yeah. And a friend, good friend of mine named Eric Helms, he, he, uh, he had a good description of it. He said, it's kind of like walking a tightrope, right? So have you ever seen somebody walk a tightrope? They'll start to go to one side, and then they'll correct by moving back to the other side, and maybe they overcorrect, and they have to come back this way, right? I think you're always kind of doing that with balance, and you're trying to find kind of the secret sauce, mm. but you probably never yeah. do quite get it. So I, I try not to worry too much about being completely balanced, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just try to make sure that, hey, over you know a year period, I'm not neglecting my kids, right? Over right. a year period, I'm not being a crap husband, right? But if I have to put in a little bit less time for a month or two as I'm you know really focusing in on a competition or a certain goal, I'm also not beating myself about that because I also know that once that's over, okay, now it's time to go back to putting in more time as dad, more time as hub, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. I think that I, I look at balance as kind of, okay, over the course of my lifespan, am I, am I doing okay? And that's yeah. kind of positive. Love that. Yeah, we're we're going to get in the nuts and bolts of nutrition here in a minute, but the, the thing that I keep thinking about as I'm hearing your story, um, what I've thought about out loud as we do more of these podcasts, as we talk to more people is, I wonder if people don't necessarily have a, a work ethic issue. I'm wondering if it's a passion issue, if they just haven't quite found what it is that they're after and why it's so important to them. So the question that keeps bouncing in my head, and then, and then again, we'll move on to the nuts and bolts, is why is nutrition, why is bodybuilding, why is this so important to you? And because, again, you've, you've made a career out of it, but there's got to be a reason why you stuck to this, this career path. What is that for yeah. you? So I think when it comes to passion and work ethic, I think they actually kind of go hand in hand. It's hard to have one without the other, mm-hmm. right? Like you could, I'm a very hard worker, but if you told me, hey, I need you to become a, the best auto mechanic in the world, you know, or the best NASCAR or NASCAR driver or something, I'm probably not going to work real hard. At that, that, yeah, that's yeah. exactly my point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think, I think there's a few different things that have to come together. I think you've got to have a little bit of natural talent. Like you can't just take somebody who's, 
you know, there's rare exceptions, right? We had Muggsy Bogues play the NBA. <laughs> right. For the most part, if you're five foot five and your your standing vertical leap is twenty inches, you know, with with little training, you it ain't happening. It ain't happening. <laughs> just say it. Just say it. You you can get better. You can definitely get better, hundred percent. In fact, you could get really good. But are you going to be in the NBA? Probably not. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think when you intersect passion with having a little bit of talent for something, and with with what just you know lights a fire, it's it's almost hard to describe, right? Because when you whenever you find that thing, you almost are so passionate about it, like trying to describe it with somebody else. Like, why do I even need to describe this to you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's kind of like the first time I hit that, you know, I hit those PRs in the gym, and just the way that made me feel, mm-hmm. you know, I. Now, I remember hearing Ray Lewis one time say, you know, I think he said something to the effect of, you know, Monday through Saturday, that's what you pay me for. Sundays you get for free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's how I feel about the gym. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't, I was so at Nationals last year. Um, it was the biggest Nationals in the history of USA powerlifting. And there was, um, I think, 1,200 lifters in total at Nationals. Goodness. And, um, I, it's like I had to be up at like 4 a.m. because weigh-ins were at 6. And I was you know, already starting to eat and whatnot, get myself prepared. And I didn't get much sleep the night before because, you know, I was just so excited. It was my first Nationals back after being injured. And I get to the I get to the warm-up room, and I can hear that some people like kind of complaining about how early our group was going. And I just like hit my last heavy squat, and I'm so fired up. I'm just like... How do you not get fired up for this? This is national thing. This yeah. is all of that. Like, you're worried about it being early in the morning? Get out. You know, yeah, I yeah. just say that. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, you, know, like yeah. you don't have to wake me up for this. Mm. You know, like, you know what? I'm, I don't care if I got no sleep. I'm on today. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of, it's just when you find something like that, that just lights a fire under you. Yeah. You know, just even, I tell people, like, I went to squat today. It's just, a, it's just an every day, every week. You know, I, every every squat session, I get nervous. I get butterflies. <laughs> like that, that has not changed in 20 years. Yeah. And I think when you can find something like that, actually the best description I heard of that, real quick, when I played baseball, I would get butterflies for a game, and I would always try to get rid of that. I would try to calm myself down. And, man, I had the wrong approach to that. I remember watching a season of The Ultimate Fighter, and this will always stick with me. Uh, Matt Sarah was coaching yep, a fight. Yeah. And before the fight, the fighter was getting like, like ill, like vomiting, throwing up because he was so nervous. He's like, he's like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I hate the way it makes me feel. And Matt Sarah looks right at him and says, "What are you talking about, man? That's the feeling of being alive. Uh-huh. You care about something that much that it's making you feel this way. It's a good thing. Yeah, and ever yeah. since then, when I get nerves or something like that, I would be like, this is a good thing, and I would enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I think, I think. You know, some athletes say they don't get nervous. Bullshit. Bullshit. Hey, we'll call for bullshit sure. on that one. Hey, we, we, I think I, that's BS. I think they interpret how the nerves are differently. Yeah. I think people who perform very well, and I'm sure, Darren, you met people who were vicious in practice, absolute beasts, and then it came to game day. Oh, booty got real tight. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> Cushing in the locker room. So, uh, Brad Cushing, when I was in Houston, is he would set a trash can in the middle of the locker room and he would like you know the you know the people that vomit like violently oh. and loud <laughs> but that was his pre- every game he got so nervous and this is you know Brian Cushing yeah. he's 
he, for a period, arguably was one of the best middle linebackers in the league, right? For every game. Throwing up, up violently, uh, loudly, and that was his deal. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, some guys, like, quietly go, I don't want people to know that I'm nervous. Yeah, like, right. go, I'm going to go hide in the bathroom, less. and I'm yeah. going to, no, 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 hey, everybody. And, like, guys would get jacked up, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're ready to go. Kush is ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's going to stand up to him and call him up? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's right. I, I think, you know, I think that when you when you find something that you care about like that, I mean, that's, you know, and I, I think, I'm not a mental health expert, but I think one of the problems we have in this country is people, we have a, a crisis of purpose, mm. you know, like I, I agree like more. Again, people say, I've had people say, man, you know, why do you get so, it's just lifting weights. And I'm like, man, I could make anything sound like nothing if I say it that way. Right? Uh-huh. It's, just, it's just music. It's just movies. It's just football, whatever. Like by you being passionate about something, you're you're not only doing it just for you. You're showing other people what's possible as well. Yeah. And that I think that's where you're able to help other people. Because if it makes you feel this way, there's other people that make it feel that way, and maybe you can just guide them a little bit. That's yeah. Kind of how I yeah. Love it. Hey, let's make the transition to nutrition. Obviously, um, I mean, you. Thank you, by the way, for 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 all that because. A lot of things that, that you've said are, are a lot of the messages we try to get out on this, right? Like we are very big on purpose, very, very big on that. Um, but the nutrition side of it, um, I want to start really high level because that we can really, really get down in the weeds and talk about, you know, the scientific uh, reasons for metabolism and synthesis and all these, all these things. But why and and. I want to focus maybe on the male demographic and we, we really, we get the opportunity to talk to your wife and we're going to maybe focus on the female side with her, but you're talking to a 55 year old executive that lives in, you know, Dallas, New York, Miami, that is married, has kids, you know, and you know, he's walking around at 25, 28, 30% body fat, right? He's functional. Um, and he's not like, and I guess that's, that's high, but he's not like obese, right? You don't like look at him and say, okay. And he's just like not super healthy, but it doesn't stop him from his sales job or his executive job. His, he's been married 25 years. Like his, his wife may not be, you know, dragging him into the bedroom, you know, three nights a week, but, but it's like life is, life is fine. Are you talking about me? (laughs) This is eerily similar to Darren's description. Okay, go ahead, Tyler. Ask the question. <laughs> Get to it, Tyler. The picture in my head of this individual does not look like Darren, by the way. <laughs> but so speak to him why nutrition is it needs to be important or it needs to be on his mind. You're, you're notorious for saying, look, flexibility is key because it's got to be sustainable. But what about the people that just don't, right? Like, it's like, I'm going to eat lunch every day. I'm going to go to happy hour at five o'clock every night with clients. And then I'm going to go eat a dinner. And then, you know, I'm going to throw down some ice cream before I go to sleep. Like, and that's just their routine. And they're just, but talk about from a longevity standpoint, from a performance mentally, but how a, a well-balanced nutrition approach really does benefit even those that may not be interested in competing on stage. Sure. Of course. Um, and you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the demographic more that, like, my recent books have been kind of targeting mm-hmm. as opposed to people who, who get on stage. We got one of them right here. There we go. We're uh, in you, bro. Uh, we got that lost forever. Yeah. Go check you it out. Right <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of that book. I, I learned a lot writing that book, actually. Um, so, 
I think there's a lot to unpack with that. Yeah. I think one of the first things is, you know, what is this? You, I mean, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? So, right. Um, I have, if you, if somebody just decides that that's not important to them, there's really nothing I'm going to say that's going to make that difference, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's kind of like, we can get rah-rah and we can tell somebody why it's important, et cetera, et cetera. But until they have that moment of, I want to do this, this is important for me, you just kind of badge them, right? Mm-hmm. So I've always said to people, it's not my job to judge people, right? If somebody is overweight or you know higher body fat, you know I have never sat outside of McDonald's and watched somebody go in and was overweight and said, "Oh, you fat squad." Mm-hmm. Just I, go I slap it. that Big Mac <laughs> out of their hand. <laughs> the fries. It's not, a, it's not a helpful. It's not a helpful thought, thought, right? Because if I was, I tell people this, and this isn't usually the case, but if somebody said, "Hey, I'm happy." Right. That's, yeah. not, that's not my place to tell them what should make them happy. Yeah. Right. So there's plenty of people who have great physiques who are in great shape who are very unhappy. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So and uh, you know I think I I think but that being said most people who are higher body fat typically want to get to a lower body fat maybe it's not a priority and I think one of the things I've I've heard um, I think Eric Thomas said this he said. Um, when the pain of uh, staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change, that is when we change. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, if if that kind of person has that epiphany, and they are ready to change and they're ready to make it a priority, because you can't make everything a priority, right? If your priority is business, you know, there's now the thing is, if you've got somebody, for example, who is doing very well in business, and that's why they don't have time to focus on the nutrition. Maybe they've got the financial means that they can actually hire somebody to cook and prep for them and that sort of thing. And hey, that's an option. But if you're talking about, you know, the single mom who wants to get in better shape, she's working two jobs, you know, what does she do? With everybody, when it comes down to it, I kind of start, I start with what can you do consistently and make progress, right? And the reason I do that and I don't, I surprise a lot of people with that. A lot of I tell them I'm like the best diet for fat loss is typically the one you can stick to, the one that you can have the best adherence to. Because if we think about if you inject somebody with food serum who's been on a lot of diets in their life and whatnot and bounce up and down, you inject them with food serum and you ask them why they failed. It wasn't because their carb to fat ratio wasn't right. It wasn't because they weren't you know fasting correctly or anything like that or timing their meals. It's because they just they just stopped doing it. Mm. Whatever mm. helped them lose weight for a while, they just stopped doing it, right? So I'll use this example in a lot of seminars. I'll say, I'll take somebody and I'll say, you know what? If I told you I wanted you to become the best three-point shooter you could possibly be, I, you can't go get any coaching, you can't get any advice, nothing. But every day for 10 years, you went out for hours and shot three-pointers. You're probably not going to be in the NBA, but I bet you'd be pretty darn good at shooting three-pointers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And I think that helps people register how important consistency is. Because I think inherently we know that consistent application of work produces results, but when we're down in the weeds of feeling frustrated or feeling like it isn't happening enough, 
the easy thing to do is to kind of, oh, it's not going to happen until you quit. And that's why I always say, trust the work and set short-term goals. If you're just looking, if you're somebody who's got to lose 100 pounds, I tell them, like, you know, okay, have the 100 pounds in your mind and visualize it, but focus on the first 10 first, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're just, if you're trying to climb Mount Everest and all you're doing is looking at the peak, you're just, every, like every, you know, step you take is getting you closer and you inherently know this, but it's going to feel like it's not making any difference whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially you guys, uh, as athletes, you know, like, you wouldn't get to where you were if it wasn't for every single piece of work that was put in over the course of time. Yes, some people have more talent. Some people may have better, you know, uh, measurables and whatnot. But for the most part, when you get to, regarding athletes, but mostly anything in life, when you get to the top, top performers, yes, they're talented, but they're also the hardest workers there are. Mm-hmm. Because... You don't reveal all that talent. Everybody knows somebody who was super talented who yeah. didn't work hard. Yep. And those guys usually stop around college. They mm-hmm. usually don't make it very far in the pros. Because guess what? When you get to that level, everybody's talented. That's right. And so when I, when I bring that back to the average person, I'm saying, okay, let's not worry about getting your nutrition perfect right off the bat. Don't feel like it has to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just need to be consistent. Let's just, let's just get you making little steps, right? And so if that's, I always tell people, I don't tell, I don't, one of the things I say is you'll hardly ever hear me use the words like best, worst, never, always. You won't really hear me use those words um, because I think everything is tools in a tool belt. And depending on the person I'm dealing with, uh, depends on the tool I use. And you can talk to, Different people and people. I always tell people it's so funny to hear like people who are like, for example, low carb zealots or fasting zealots or, or vegans who say, and they all say, well, this is, you know, they all kind of make it out. This is the only way you can do this. And I'm like, all you got to do is use your eyeballs and right. see all the people who have done it every which way, mm-hmm. right? When it comes to fat loss, what is the one consistency? Well, the one consistent, well, the one thing that is consistent is they are creating a calorie deficit, meaning they are consuming less calories than they expend. But you get to choose the way you do that, right? So there's plenty of people who have done it with a low-carb diet. There's plenty of people who have done it with a low-fat diet. There's plenty of people who have done it with intermittent fasting, with, um, you know, plant-based diet, whatever whatever you want. So you get to calorie counting, uh, flexible dieting. I always tell people what happens is a person will will try different diets, they feel hard, and then they'll find something that feels easy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I hear this a lot with people who do like plant-based or low-carb or fasting-based diets. So I tried everything, and I, I did this, and it was easy. They assume that their experience will be the same for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's not true. Your psychology is individual. And then they kind of do mental gymnastics as a way to justify why their diet was physiologically the best thing that they could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And what I tell people is we should really embrace personal preference more. It is completely fine to say, hey, I just, this diet works really great for me because I just like it. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. That is way more important than any minor physiological differences because we have 
like in terms of, for example, carbohydrate and fat ratios in different diets. There's over 30 studies now where they equate protein and equate calories. And the reason it's important they equate protein is because uh, protein's a little bit more thermogenic than the other uh, macronutrients. Explain thermogenic okay. real quick. Yeah, so basically, um, your body is kind of like an internal combustion engine. You have to put energy in to get energy out. So like just like you need a battery to start your car, because you need to put some energy in to get the energy out of that, uh, that gasoline. Mm-hmm. So you need to put energy in to get energy out of the food you eat. And most of that comes in the form of proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. Um, there's what's called the thermic effect of food, which is how much energy you need to put in to get that energy out. So, for example, with regards to fats, it's about 1% to 3% of the energy you intake. So, for example, if you eat 100 calories of fat, your net from that is about 97 to 100 calories. You eat 100 with carbohydrates, it's about 5 to 10%. So your net is about 90 to 95 calories on 100. Protein is about 20 to 30%. Mm, wow. So your net is lower with protein. So that's why it's important to, that doesn't mean you can eat as much protein as you want to not gain fat. <laughs> you know, people take it way too far. But it is important to understand that protein, high-protein diets have a little bit of an advantage in terms of thermogenesis. So, um, if you take, for example, uh, some of the original diets on the ketogenic diet, for example, they found that they were better for fat, but they were also higher in protein. So when um, in these studies where they've equated protein and equated calories, they find that there's almost no difference in fat loss. And this is over 30 different studies with thousands of subjects, right? So I always tell people, I'm like, that's actually great news because what that means is just do what you prefer, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to be low carb if you don't want to. You don't have to be low fat if you don't want to. You can be somewhere in the middle. Um, and actually getting kind of what the next kind of logical thing people say, well, that's just for weight loss and fat loss. What about overall health? Well, um, there was a, a what we call a meta-analysis recently done. And a meta-analysis is basically they attempt to take studies that ask similar questions and combine them to, to form a consensus. Got okay. It. So uh, basically, when they compiled all the data, they were looking at okay, if we look at blood markers of health, you know, blood pressure, cholesterol, HDL, LDL, uh, inflammation, all these different things, how much does it make a difference when you vary that carbohydrate and fat intake? And what they found was almost 95 to 99% of the health benefits of these diets could completely be explained by the fat loss. Just the weight being, loss, being le- right, a leaner so body mass. Right. So meaning if you get leaner, you will just become healthier regardless of mm. the methodology you choose. Again, great news. It means you have so many tools to pick from, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you've got people who have kind of, I don't know why nutrition has become so religious for some people. Mm, for sure. yeah, <laughs> for I was sure. going to say, there's, there's some hearts breaking out there yeah. when you say something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I get people who get very mad at me and claim I'm paid off by big whatever. Uh, well, but, but you, but you, you just said, I don't associate with any one thing. So how do you, sure. you know, that, that's a, that's a outlandish claim. Right. Well, that's when you can't, I always say when you, that's the claims people make when they can't actually argue with empirical data. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I always say, you know, uh, when I was on Rogan's podcast, first thing I said is I'm not anti-keto. I'm not yeah. anti-vegan. Or I'm just anti-bullshit. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, that podcast is one of the best podcasts I've heard him do, by the way. Just the banter back and forth about keto. That was great. And it was great because the guy who was all with me, Don DiGostino, he doesn't doesn't attempt to make any outlandish claims about the ketogenic diet. He's like, yeah, calories are still important. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a way to control calories. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he talked about, I think his sister, he said, uh, put on 30 pounds during the ketogenic diet because, you know, she was she was over-consuming calories. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be a tool. It is a tool that it seems like a reasonable amount of people have used and been consistent with and got results from. But it's just a tool. Right. My, my father, my father's been overweight most of his adult life. And, um, you know, he, he did the ketogenic diet. He lost 30 pounds. And then over the course of time, after he stopped doing it, he put back on 50. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's one of those things where whatever you're going to pick, you should ask yourself, do I feel this way of eating is consistent with a lifestyle that I can maintain for a long period of time? Because if it's not, probably something you need to revisit. Now, you know, I'm somebody who I track my protein, carbs, and fats, and my calories. And that's what I do in order to, you know, uh, restrict myself and stay loose. So I always say, you're not going to get something for nothing. Like you got to pick, you can pick the form of restriction, but you got to do something if you want. If we're talking about body fat loss or, or um, you know, staying lean. And um, you know, for me, you know, at periods of time, that meant, especially if I'm talking about getting very, very lean, that meant I'm weighing out every single thing I put in my mouth. Mm. But just to maintain that, I don't have to do that. Mm. I've gotten very good at estimating my portion sizes. I can maintain my body weight just fine, weighing almost nothing. Mm. And just, you know, looking at portion sizes and, and making estimations. But I I also never would have been that good at estimating if I hadn't had the experience of doing right. it. Right. So it's you get to pick the form of restriction, mm. but you're not going to get something for nothing. And unfortunately, people try to kind of hack their way out of this. You know, mm-hmm. it would be, you know, if they show pictures of shredded people and say five hacks to getting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clickbait. Like, you know, yeah. Five Five hacks to winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love those. I love those body transformation pictures, right? The side by sides, and it's like this dude's at like twenty seven percent body fat, and it looks like a looks like a five year old boy, right? Like one of those bodies. And then he's, next picture, he's shredded, and it's like eight weeks. Get here. It's like. <laughs> Dude, that's two and a half years of hard yeah. work to get to that. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit well, more. Well, sorry, go ahead. And a lot of those transformations are actually people who are in really good shape that purposely got fat. Mm-hmm. So they could take a before picture wow. and, then, and then strip it right back off. Yeah, know, if you've got the muscle, yeah. the muscle base, it's much easier to take it off. Interesting. Um, I think I, I saw a quote the other day from uh, Renaissance Periodization. I really liked the quote. And it said, and this is what I, I tell all my nutrition clients, we have a we have an app now, my, uh, our company, or it's called Carbon Diet Coach, and it's basically you know uh, a coaching app that's nine dollars nine nine cents a month, but it does nutritional coaching for uh, we basically wrote an algorithm that does what we do as coaches into huh. you know basically boil it down into mathematics for yeah. ten bucks a month. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Repeat the name name again one more time. (laughs) I want to write it down right now. Say that name one more time. I'll make you guys do a chance to try it out if you want. Um, So, but we have um, a group, a Facebook group, where we we get questions and all that kind of stuff. We're very interactive. And um, one of the things that I I tell them is like, yes, the app is going to open the door for you. It's going to tell you you what to do in order to get there, but it's about the work. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, this is the quote, and I think it's an amazing quote. It's the magic you're looking for is in the work that you're trying to avoid. Mm. Stop wow. trying to have, you know, mm-hmm. if I could get, I've, I've done the highest nutrition degree you can do. I've, you know, competed a high level of bodybuilding, powerlifting, all that kind of stuff. What I have learned from all that is that more than anything, it's just the consistent application of work is what makes the difference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for some people, it's going to be harder than others. You know, if we can get the research on obesity, you know, obese people, it's not, you know, it's kind of like telling somebody with obesity to eat less and move more. Yes, you're right. But it's like telling a poor person, hey, and not just poor, but somebody who's family has been that way, who has that kind of background and mentality, just save more money than you earn. You're right, but it's not very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, um, you know, it's about trying to create behaviors and habits that can help those people, but it boils down to the consistent application of work. But getting people to understand that and buy into that, that's a lot of what we spend our time doing because... I mean, you could do a lot of stuff wrong, but if you just work really hard for a really long period of time, mm-hmm. it's going to make up for a lot of stuff you do wrong. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite things is, is methods are many, but principles are few. Uh, I heard that a while back. And so what you're talking about, I think it, it speaks to that. So if somebody's sitting there thinking, I want to start a fat loss journey, what you're saying is don't get so hung up on the method. There's a few principles that you have to stick to. So yeah. talk to us about the number one principle, which is the energy balance. So what are calories? Yeah. How do you burn calories? Tell us a little bit more about that. Great question. Um, so, cool. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a, so yeah. The first, the first thing to keep in mind is that people don't understand what calories are. So calories is just a measurement of the energy that is contained in the chemical bonds of food molecules. Protein, carbohydrates, and fat. Okay? So it's literally the amount of heat you could generate by burning these different components. Okay? Now, people try to use that to say, well, our bodies aren't bomb burners, so it doesn't matter. That's not true. Um, so your protein, carbohydrate, and fat intake, when we talk about calories, calories aren't something you can look at under a microscope or anything like that, like the molecules that we're talking about. It's just the energy contained within that. But I like to break it down. I like to use monetary examples because I think it's a little bit more intuitive for people. So we just talked about how um, if you want to become wealthy, accrue wealth over time, you need to save more than you spend. That's true whether you earn $50,000 a year or $50 million a year, mm-hmm. right? Um, again, sports guys, you know plenty of guys who made plenty of money who and blew it on dumb stuff. Burned a right? ton of them calories off. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I... I, I um, I always uh, I like to quote from Dave Ramsey: "You can't out earn stupidity." Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, or, or poor education, right? Yeah. Like that's part of it. Um, and the same thing with with nutrition. So, if you take somebody who is an athlete, they exercise a lot. They've got a high endogenous uh, metabolic rate, for example. We we've all known people who can eat McDonald's three times a day, and you know. They seem to stay lean all the time. That's Darren. Right. Yeah. Wow. Part of that is a lot of lean body mass and exercise very hard, right? Mm -hmm. So Darren's budget would be very large, right? He can consume more calories because his energy expenditure is higher. Mm -hmm. 
The other thing about energy expenditure, people hear that and they think that's just referring to exercise. It's not. So, in fact, exercise for most people is a minority of the energy you burn each day. Most of the energy we burn, or the calories we burn, is just basically keeping the lights on. So, about 50 to 60% on average of the calories you burn per day is just your basal metabolic rate. So that's just to keep your organs working, your pumps and your cells working, all that kind of stuff. Then you have what's called non-exercise adaptive thermogenesis, which is um, a little bit hard to explain, but think about non-purposeful movement. Have you ever known somebody who fidgets a lot? Yeah, or mm-hmm. bouncing, your, bouncing your knee or, you know, yeah. playing with your pen or stuff like that. So that's actually, that's actually... Why are y'all looking at me? Why are y'all looking at me? <laughs> well, just, you're burning calories. He's, he's the king of burning day. those kind of calories. Yeah, uh, annoying. <laughs> Clicking things, so, knees moving. Yep, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so I was like that. Interestingly, that can be a very large amount of calories burned for them. Good job, Tyler. Trying, guys. <laughs> and it's, it's funny. People will say, well, I'm going to go do a walk to get my knee up. No. Knee is unintentional movement. It's not something that you can... You know, if, I, if I'm like, okay, I'm going to bounce my leg more, what will happen is I'll forget, I'll eventually stop because I, I can't think about doing that and also talk <laughs> yeah, to you. Yeah, All right. So, so that's something that happens spontaneously. That's a way of the body dissipating energy. In fact, they've actually shown in overfeeding studies, some people dissipate extra energy better than others. And this is where the confusion about calories can become. People think calories out is a set number, Right. This is what my, my body burns. No, it's actually very adaptable. In fact, if you take, they did a study, a feeding study a while back where they took people and they overfed them above their maintenance calories, maintenance being what you maintain your body weight at, by a thousand calories a day. Most people gain weight. Mm-hmm. One person in the study, and this was an inpatient feeding study, one person in the study lost weight. Wow. Adding a thousand calories to their diet because their meat increased by their meat and their endogenous CMR increase disproportionately to the calories that they took in. Hmm. And we, we refer to these people as kind of obesity resistant, right? Okay. So, God blessed, in other words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so people who are more prone to obesity, when they go into a calorie deficit, for example, their bodies actually tend to adapt and stop moving as much, right? Mm-hmm. So they actually don't realize it. It's not that their purpose, they can keep exercising if they've been exercising, but they'll stop doing little movements as much. Now, take this to an extreme. When I was doing my bodybuilding shows, and you look like I'm a pretty quick talker. I speak loudly. Um, if you go back to 2010 when I did my last bodybuilding show, I have a, I have a DVD of it. I talk slower. I blink slower. Uh-huh. I'm not making this up. Um, and that part of that is just your body you know, conserving energy as you're in that extreme deficit. So the problem with people not understanding calories in versus calories out is what I'm getting to long-windedly is that they don't understand that it's not stagnant. That these two things are intrinsically tied. If you eat more, your energy expenditure goes up. If you eat less, your energy expenditure goes down. Now, that being said, if you're in a calorie deficit, you're still going to lose weight. If you're in a caloric surplus, you're still going to gain weight. But it's kind of like money. And here's what, here's what, here's how. If you take somebody who's making $50,000 a year and all of a sudden you, boom, you like increase their salary to 500000 a year, let's just make something extreme. You think, okay, well, they're going to, if we think about 
you know, calories in, calories out. Well, they're just going to save 450 grand a year. Yeah. Right. But that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you become, you loosen up a little bit. Yeah. You've got plenty. You can kind of loosen the reins a little bit. Like you're probably still going to save quite a bit of money. Right. But you're going to allow yourself to spend more. That's what the body does. Right. You've got more energy. You can afford to be more wasteful with it. Mm. You know, that's kind of what the body does. Whereas, if your salaries, whatever you guys make, if it got cut in half tomorrow, you'd be like, okay, well, we're not going on vacation. <laughs> yeah. like, you're going to start to tighten down the lane because your budget's small. So getting back to the, the budget aspect of things, if you're somebody who you need to consume, let's say, 1,800 calories a day to lose weight because you don't have a ton of lean body mass, your energy expenditure is low, um, then you need to make very smart choices about what you choose to fill those calories up with. You need to be smart about how you spend your budget. If you're only on 1,800 calories a day, is it smart to spend 1,000 calories of that on a slice of cheesecake that's not very filling? Mm. Probably not. Now, can you have that cheesecake and still lose weight? Sure, but you're not going to have much left with those 800 calories remaining to make you feel satiated. Mm. Right? Because you're not going to feel very full. Same token... If you're somebody who can consume 3,500 calories a day and lose weight, is it okay for you to have you know, a slice of cheesecake if you've met all your other obligations in terms of protein, carbohydrates, fats, um, fiber, micronutrients? Sure, you can absolutely do that, right? And the same token, if you make $50,000 a year, is it a wise investment to go out and let's, let's say $100,000 a year, let's just assume there's no loans. <laughs> so that's that's not a complicated thing. But if you make hundred thousand dollars a year, is it wise for you to go out and buy a ninety thousand dollars sports car if buying that sports car means that you can't, you know, take care of your mortgage and, and, right. and take care of your um, obligations? Mm -hmm. and those? Of course not. But if you make a million dollars a year, is it okay for you to go buy that same sports car if you can still meet your obligations and your responsibilities? And here's the other thing. It makes you feel good? Mm -hmm. Sure. Right? And here's the thing a lot of people don't think about. For some people, a win nutritionally means saying no to a donut. Mm. For some people, saying yes and not feeling guilty mm. is yeah. also a win. Yeah. Because yeah. that's where we get into trouble when we start attaching ethical values to food. I always tell people, don't attach any ethical value to food. No, it's not. It doesn't have a soul. Right? It's not good nor bad. Mm. It just is yeah. okay you and i tell this to my clients and people who are on our app and that sort of thing like you shouldn't feel guilty about whether or not you ate too much or whatever you did now that that you just need to adjust your budget that's all right and you don't feel like you need to earn something you're not a dog don't reward yourself <laughs> for food right. right because those sort of attitudes can become very dangerous especially when we talk about the number of people who have eating disorders and binge eating disorder. And I see, I see this a lot in the fitness community with people who are restrictive, restrictive, restrictive. And, you know, if they have just one little thing, they go completely. The wheels come yeah. off. Yeah. Yep. yeah. To that point. Yeah. To that point. You, I can't tell you how many times we hear it in our office all the time. Oh, I had a cookie. I, I'm so bad. I had a cookie this weekend or, or whatever. So to your point, what you're saying here is, Foods are neither necessarily good or bad. It's, it's what can your body handle based on the budget that you have. And so, exactly. so that, that's what I love that you, that you preach is 
because somebody thinks, oh, I had a slice of pizza that's bad, but I had a salad that's good. It, it, it depends. It's just like what you talked about Darren earlier. It, it, it's all dependent on you as an individual. So I love that you mm-hmm. preach that. Yeah, you know what, my theory? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I, I was just, I, you know, I've worked with quite a few, um, a lot of uh, women, actually. I, I feel bad for females because they get exposed to diet culture very young, uh, not always in the best aspect, where like they're, they have mothers that call themselves fat. And then they think they're fat because yeah. they love the way their mom looks. How could their mom ever? Right. I remember talking talking to a gal, heartbreaking story. She said, "I, you know, I thought my mother was beautiful until I was five years old, and I heard herself call herself fat. And then I thought I must be fat because my mom's beautiful. Mm. Mm. If she's mm. fat, I must be fat. So that's why I tell women specifically: be very careful about how you speak about yourself. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've had some people where it's like they come to me and they're, oh my god." I had a donut. I factored it into my nutrition. I still had all my other stuff. And, uh, you know, I didn't binge. My weight didn't go up. Like, I still lost weight. For some people, that's a win. But then for some other people who need to moderate that, who it's not healthy for them to have that because it's a trigger food or whatever, sometimes saying no to that is mm-hmm. a win. It's yeah. all contextual. We, we cannot just lump everybody together. Yeah. And, and, and I want to, I want to go back because I want to, on myself, just, just speaking on myself, I, I, I would try to work out at least three to four times a week, try to eat good. Here, here's the issue that I'm having and that I'm, I'm hearing this same issue across the board that men are my age, uh, are saying the same thing. We hit, I hit about three o'clock, four o'clock and I hit a wall. Mm. I mean, just a wall. I can get up in the morning. I feel pretty good. I just don't know what I'm putting in my, if, if I'm fueling the tank throughout the day mm-hmm. and whatever it is that maybe I could put in the tank throughout the day that I can feel good at three o'clock because it is, Doc, it is a wall. And I, I'm <laughs> driving home about four or five o'clock and I'm like, man, I can barely keep the eyes open. I mean, yeah. what do you say so to that, someone that, that's running into that wall? Yeah, so is that, is that after work and you've already yes. as well? Yes. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think maybe don't judge that so much. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's like when you're go, 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 it's almost like your body just does whatever it takes to get it done. Yep. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then you're in the car, you have time to decompress, and your body's like, okay, all right, now we can, we can just – relax a little bit. I, I think that's actually pretty normal if I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I don't necessarily think it's a nutrition thing uh, just right off the bat. Um, do you feel that way for the rest of the day or is it just kind of like during that, that period? It, it's about, well, you know, it depends. Sometimes I'm even at the office. That two o'clock feeling. That two, yeah, that two o'clock, you know the feeling. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. two o'clock feeling where you're starting to really, you know, you're, you're going down. It's, it's a down, can't focus, can't concentrate, uh, you know, and I'm always, I've always been told that I need to eat more fat, good fat. That's what I've been told all these years. You need to eat more good, you know, avocados, whatever. And I just. Yeah, I mean, the, so the idea is what I think this can be the case sometimes, but I think people way overuse this. And I don't think it's the case most of the time. People talk about the kind of fluctuations in blood sugar. Right, blood mm-hmm. glucose. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you're you're crashing. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, in fact, when we look at the data, 
if you're having reactive hypoglycemia, meaning you know you've eaten some carbs and now your your body kind of overcompensates and your blood sugar starts to drop below a certain point, that can make you hit a crash, but that's a much different feeling than just being tired. That's like you'll feel hot and like mm. faint and mm. you know just like um, it'll almost feel like an anxiety attack. Right. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty aggressive. You know, people say fats are more even energy, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You could try it. I don't necessarily think it's a blood sugar issue. Uh, what time do you usually get up in the morning? Uh, early 6, 6.30, six. yeah. And then you're, you're training first thing in the morning? Trying to train in the morning and then go on about my day. Okay. And then uh, what do you... I guess, what do you kind of eat throughout the day? Just, oh, uh, man. Dude, this is good. No, this yeah, is no, good. This is really good. A true uh, case study here. <laughs> hey, you want to be you? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, here, here I am. I'm going to give hey, it to you right now. Don't be transparent. I, I'm going to be extremely transparent. I'll get a bar, like a protein bar in the yeah. morning because I'm usually trying to get out. Out of the house. Yeah, sure. So I'm trying to get a protein bar. I'm a, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have a cup of coffee or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I'm a so big. I'll stop you real quick, Darren. So, first off, I can see the fear in your eyes. <laughs> I promise you, no matter what you tell me, I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> yes, you are. Hey, hey, but the two, hey, but the two guys sitting oh, yeah. on his sides no, are. We're, we're for sure him. judging. We're, I'm sitting there making notes like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you train in the morning and you have a protein bar and a cup of coffee? That's it? <laughs> Just yeah, kidding. So Just kidding. Nothing, nothing you're going to say to me, I'm going to make you feel bad. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> I promise if I, if I told you what I ate today, you'd be like, what? No, don't, don't worry. So maybe that can ease your concerns a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's well, okay. I'm, I'm just giving it to you, man. So I'll I'll, I'll have a, a cup of coffee. Uh, again, a protein bar before I walk out. I'm, I'm and I'm I'm trying to be quick. I'm trying to get through sure. the workout, get in the shower, get going, get back to get to the office. Right. So I would say about eleven thirty is twelve. I'll get a lunch, mm-hmm. and that lunch is maybe a, a I don't know. Uh, what do we eat? Like a hamburger and french fries? No. Well, <laughs> depends. I mean, it depends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consistent. We'll yeah, eat like, different. you know, something, you know, with some protein in it or, or, or whatnot. Uh, a sandwich on on, the, yeah. on on average. We'll eat. I'll have a sandwich. And then it's like after lunch. And here's the downfall. After lunch, one thirty is 2 o'clock. Here it comes, man. It is Ooh. like, and everybody used to call it. We used to call it the itis back in the day. Like you, you don't need uh, you, uh, you don't need to explain what that is. <laughs> from black folks, we used to hey, you eat that hog bogs and then you just fall off. <laughs> but I'm serious. We say hog bogs. <laughs> what are hog bogs? <laughs> Some neck bones. No. Some collards. Some collards. Hey, come on, man. Hey, hey, what? Man, you can't say that. So, I think what I, what I will say is, if, let's assume for a moment it is nutritional. So let's, let's, let's go with that assumption for, for the moment. I don't necessarily think it is, but let's say it is. Um, if it is a blood glucose issue, what I would recommend is perhaps uh, increasing your fiber intake at that particular meal. Because uh, fiber, especially soluble fiber, has the effect of kind of uh, reducing the uh, rate of mm-hmm. emptying of glucose into the bloodstream. So you'll get kind of a more like blunted effect where mm-hmm. it's not quite peaking so high and not coming down so low. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you get a sandwich, have some vegetables with it or, you know, like a salad or something like that. 
So something that's just going to kind of like add some fiber to it and uh, possibly delay that gastric emptying a little bit and see if that makes a difference. Okay. Um, yeah. That would well, be my, my I mean, like all of our grandpas, right? You got to have that fiber cereal <laughs> with breakfast, right? Get some Metamucil in there, man. <laughs> You can't do that too. Yeah. You can, you can, you can take that route. See, there we go. You're sitting there at the restaurant with your better beautiful putting it in. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Shake it up. Don't mind me, guys. I'm 53. Oh, then just, hey, just might as well just put it in your insurer, right? <laughs> hey, uh, talk about, you know, there's, and I don't, I don't know where the source of this is, but right, like you hear a lot of people talking about, like whether it's superfoods or it's, you know, like, hey, this is a uh, 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 venison is better than beef. And, you know, uh, a, Blueberries mahi, yeah, or, a mahi yeah. is better than chicken. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Like how they're saying. So talk about like the quality of foods and and yeah. say, OK, does it matter if my protein source is ground beef or it is a, you know, a lean grass fed filet. Like what is the difference and why, why is there such an emphasis or is that just a marketing thing? So, okay. Lots to unpack here. Uh, the first Sorry. Time, I, I, I ask bit like uh, loaded okay. questions. <laughs> Honestly, you can ask me any questions. I'm probably going to say there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> so, um, I think the first thing is to understand that it is in terms of our hierarchy of what's important. It's going to be relatively far down the toilet. Now, that said, I'm not saying that food quality doesn't matter. It does. It just matters less than your total calorie intake, your macronutrients, your fiber, that kind of stuff. Okay. But let's look at, let's take your example and, and why this isn't necessarily a straight up, you know, one versus the other. Venison is leaner than uh, beef. However, if you've got an athlete who you're trying to, who has trouble keeping weight on, who tends to, you know, I, I mean, uh, we, we know certain athletes or even regular people who try to, who like actively have to try to keep weight on. Yeah. yeah. Um, then them eating venison probably doesn't make sense because it's going to be harder for them to keep that weight on because it is leaner and has less calories, right? Contrast that with if somebody's trying to get lean, then perhaps it's a better option because it has lower calories. Now, there are people, been people who have made arguments that, okay, well, free range is better for you because of the omega-6 versus omega-3 content, this and that. I've never seen a really compelling evidence of that. I'm not saying it's not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most free range stuff is just leaner in general. And so that's probably why it's kind of developed this reputation as being better for you. Mm-hmm. Um but when it comes to, I have to be careful how I wear this because people will parse it. Um, <laughs> you know, if you look at, for example, organic food versus other there's been a lot of studies done on this. And the consensus of the day is basically, it doesn't seem to be any better for health than, a, than foods that are comparable in protein, carbohydrate, fat content than, than foods that are organic. Mm-hmm. So now, if you like organic food and that's what you prefer, or use that for ethical reasons, because of you know farming industry and that kind of hey, 
Or you like spending more money for no yeah, reason? I was going to say, I'm going with the organic blueberries <laughs> instead of the regular blueberries because they're $4 more. Yeah, I'm going... well, the, the one thing that organic food does seem to reliably predict is how much of a self-righteous effort. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> There's actually a study that showed a very tight correlation between the level of self-righteousness and yeah. how food. Oh, that's funny. Oh, it's true. It's true. Uh, Vegan, yeah, vegans and organic people, <laughs> organic eaters, organians, organians. <laughs> oh. so, um, now, again, there's some evidence that like you can increase the vitamin and mineral content, you know, with certain things. Okay, I was always say if you're worried about it, just take a multivitamin. Yeah, you know that, that's possible. Plus, you know, vitamins and minerals aren't superfoods. Like if you get enough of them. Taking more doesn't seem to add more health benefits. In fact, Just pee there's, it actually out. Yeah. That over, there's actually evidence that over-consuming vitamins may have actually like negative health implications mm-hmm. uh, with regards to certain vitamins. Now, vitamin D seems to be an exception. I think most people could probably benefit from supplementing with vitamin D. Right, yeah. 1,000 to 4,000 I use a day. There's some pretty good data on that. Um, but yeah, you know, you'll hear people say, well, you know, broccoli has the porphine and, you know, all these different compounds. And I think when you look at the data, what you find consistently is healthy. What constitutes a healthy life is an overall lifestyle. It's not individual nutrients, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So people spend a lot of time stressing about this stuff. And I'll actually tell them the amount of stress that you're giving this is actually worse for you than yeah. any difference in these foods. I was just okay? thinking that exact thing that yeah. you just said is, is you're stressing Dangerous. so much that you're actually having a negative health effect because you're stressing out about it. And paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Like some people, some people never put a plan into action because they're just so worried about doing the wrong thing. Yep. Right. right. Guilty. Yeah. So I think, um, I, I think what I would tell people you know, if you want to be healthy, and I, let's take genetics out of it, because obviously they do absolutely matter. There's six things you can do that, I, in my opinion, will get you 99% of the way there. Okay? The first one is exercise. And if you can, resistance training. It's probably the healthiest thing you can possibly do for your body. It's not just for bodybuilders. It's not just for football players. It increases your bone mineral density, increases your lean body mass. Keep, after the age of 65... Um, your mortality rate is directly tied to your, uh, there's actually studies showing that grip strength is almost directly uh, tied to mortality after age 65. So basically, if you have more lean body mass and stronger, you live longer after mm, age yeah. 65. Yeah, I've seen that um, study. That's, that's funny. Yeah. So, um, so resistance training or, or at least exercise, even if it's just walking, make a huge difference. Being active makes a huge difference. Two, don't eat like an asshole. Take that for what you will. You know, don't consume too many calories. Try to consume high-quality nutrient-dense foods, but don't beat yourself up if you have a treat here and there if it fits in your budget. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. One donut isn't going to cause you to be unhealthy. Nobody. Just like, uh, you know, in, in football, right? Like, if, if Tom Brady throws an interception... First game for Tampa, which I hope not, because that's my boss. Um, <laughs> it's not going to change the fact that he's still an amazing quarterback, right? Because right? mm-hmm. it's just one interception. Mm-hmm. Right, so don't eat like an asshole. Don't smoke. 
limit alcohol, stress less, minimize stress, and sleep. If you do those six things, all other things being equal, you will be in pretty good shape in terms of longevity. Now, I can't promise you the bus is going to hit tomorrow, but uh, in terms of lifestyle diseases, you'll be in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. That's too simple, though, man. There's got to be some. Yeah, there's got to be some magic. There's got. I mean, there's got to be some pill, something, right? <laughs> Super well, pill. <laughs> I always tell people, you know, I I I've been fortunate enough that I do pretty well for myself, but. Man, I could have made a lot more money in this industry if I was just willing to lie to people. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just, you know, I, I just put up, um, we're having a sale today on our, on our e-books, actually. And um, in, in the post I, on my Instagram, I put up, I said, I absolutely want your dollars. I'm not going to sit here and be uh, a BS artist who tells you they don't care about money. Of course I do. Mm-hmm. But I am not willing to lie to you or misrepresent the facts in order to get your dollars. I hope to earn them by educating you and being a genuine person. Right. And that's what I always say to people. And that's I the truth. You know, that, and that's what we're looking for. I, I think there's so is it more people today than any are, are looking for the truth. Just give me the truth about nutrition. And, and that's what I'm looking for. I know mm-hmm. we, we sit on this set and all three of us work out uh, consistently, but we're always looking for an edge, and it's just the competitive spirit that we have. What's you know? What's the edge? And that's the reason why we, we we're sitting with you right now, Doc. Right. Is that we want you to be able to give a give us a little edge and and, and our listeners an edge as well. Well, if I can give you one more comparison with regards to like um, you know, something you're very familiar with with football. Um, you know, Bill Belichick will probably go down as if not the greatest, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've consistently noticed with Belichick, I'm a football fan. Um, one of the things I've consistently noticed with him is he doesn't say, this is how we do it. We run the ball. Or this is how we do it. We throw the ball. Or, this is how we do it. We do a, uh, a cover two defense or whatever. He says, I'm going to look at what you do. I'm going to take away what you do best. And yeah. I'm going to expose your weaknesses and enforce my strength. And <laughs> yeah. I don't care if that means we run the ball 70 times in the game or we run it zero times. Mm-hmm. He cares absolutely nothing. And in terms of that, he has very little ego. He is not. He is not tied to the methodology, right? right. Mm-hmm. That is how I feel about diet and nutrition, and also how I feel you can tell when somebody's actually an expert because they don't just give you one answer for this the solution, right? Yep. I mean, we we with football, we see coaches that we are going to do this and we're going to close our look. And yes, there are people who have success in that, but the best typically. It depends on the situation, and they are going to change their game plan for the situation. Mm-hmm. And that's how I look at things: mm-hmm. is there's no good, there's no bad. I'm going to look at the specific situation and come up with a game plan for what makes the most in terms of coaching, in terms of what makes the most sense for that particular yeah. person in their lifestyle. Yeah, and I think that more conversations and genuine conversations need to happen. And I'll give one more comparison: calories in, calories out. Be like saying. We need to score more points than them, right? <laughs> right? Very helpful. Um, <laughs> but you can you can do that by playing better defense. You can do that by playing better offense, or you can do it through a combination of both, right? right? Mm-hmm. So that's but there's a lot of ways to skin that cat. There's a lot of methods to do it. Same thing with nutrition. Mm. There's a lot of ways to get results, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm just saying that some of these diet groups, these diet cults, let's just be honest about why. Right. right. 
It's because we're scoring more points. It's not because of macro. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. so for somebody that doesn't want to sit there and track their macros and their and every single calorie that they eat, I mean, most of us we're, we're just that's not a priority. What are some other methods that you can that you can implement? And I have one in my mind, but I, I'm interested in what you would say. What are some other methods you can implement to know that you're on the right track? Let's say weight loss is your goal. What are some yeah. other methods you can implement without having to track every single calorie? All right. So of the people, so most people uh, who can either lose weight don't keep it off. Um, of the people who keep it off consistently, there's a few uh, commonalities. The first is they practice some form of cognitive restraint. Meaning, are they calorie tracked, or they uh, restrict carbohydrates, or they restrict their eating window, or they eat only you know whole foods, or they restrict fat, or they restrict something, right? But you can choose the form of restriction. Or, and also they self-monitor, so they weigh uh, pretty frequently, actually. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say: is, yeah. is weighing every day, and and, yeah. and stepping on the yeah. scale. And I actually like weighing every day as mm-hmm. long as you don't get, like, neurotic. Right, yeah, right. I just look at that as a tool in the toolbox. I don't even look at individual daily weights. I just look at the average across mm-hmm. the week. Yep. Because, I mean, you guys know this. You're, if you weigh every day, your weight will fly all over. Oh, yeah. 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 Even if you're doing it first thing in the morning after you've gone to the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. Another thing is they tend to exercise. People who lose weight and keep it off, uh, 70% of them exercise versus only um, people who don't keep it off, only about 30% of them exercise. Um, and then there's some other little things. They, they limit stacking. Stacking is a, a big, um, that's a place where hidden calories come in. Because people don't, like when they just grab a handful of nuts or you know that sort of thing, they don't really acknowledge that it happened. So I tell people, you know, if you're not going to extract calories, try to limit your food to just your, your big meals, huh. you know. Mm. Um, but... I will say, I think calorie tracking has gotten far easier, you know, mm-hmm. and shameless plug. Like, for example, our app has a barcode scanner. So if you eat something and you just put the barcode scanner on it, pulls it up, and you just enter it in, right? Mm. So when you have apps like that, um, it gets much easier to track stuff. But again, that's not for everybody. Um, so you can do things like low carb. You can do things like, um, you know, eating only whole foods, meaning single-ingredient foods. Um, you can do things like high fiber diet. You can do things like um, you know, low fat diet. You can do um, intermittent fasting where you're limiting your feeding window. Any of that stuff can work. Um, but I always tell people try to find the methodology that feels easiest for you. Um, because we don't, you know, most people, I'm just going to plug my phone in real quick. Most people don't fail a diet when they, had eight hours of sleep and it's first thing in the morning and they have no stress, right? Mm, right, right. They blow, they, they blow a diet when it's been a long day, they get home, they don't have meals prepped, and the peanut butter jar is calling their name. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, you only have, well, this is kind of bro science but I think you only have a certain amount of willpower, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like you've got willpower for your job and willpower for your kids and willpower for your marriage and willpower for your it's all coming from the same place, right? So we should pick the form of restriction that feels the least restrictive to us mm-hmm. so that we can still do that when life is, is difficult, right? So if that's, for example, for you, if that happens to be, hey, I don't eat till 1 p.m., I am at that, and I just eat all my calories between 1 and 9 p.m. If that allows you to lose weight and keep it off, 
no problem. Yeah. Right? Um, if you now the caveat to that is when we talk about elite athletic performance, you know, now if you want to squeeze, it's like squeeze the rag, right? Squeeze the wet rag. If you want to squeeze those last drops out of there, then there's some other stuff that you got to think about nutritionally and in terms of exercise. But if we're just talking about trying to lose weight and keep it off, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. So those are some of the ways that, yeah. that you can form restriction that don't involve counting calories. That being said, you know, people think, for example, fasting is magic, and if they just fast 20 hours, they can eat whatever they want and not and lose weight. No, if you eat 4,000 calories in two hours, I promise you, you won't lose weight. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. It's not, it's not magic. So that's just one thing to keep in mind. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, maybe just kind of simplify it, right? Weight loss comes from a calorie deficit, right? It's plain and simple. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need to be. Whereas some of these diets, I mean, you look at like you know the keto diet, which which actually worked for me, but it was not sustainable. Like I lost the weight, but it was just not something that I could consistently do. But when you say, okay, well, yeah, I'm on keto, I can have these cheesecake balls the cheesecake bombs that like you know have all these calories and i can eat as much as i want as long as i don't have carbs my body is just going to turn to this fat burning machine and i'm going to lose all this weight <laughs> talk us through some of those those fads right and these these diets yeah. that okay hey look let's really look at it for what it is and what's the science behind it well actually i was on a podcast about it Ethan yeah yeah american glutton yeah yeah so, uh, Phenomenal transformation, by the way. Yeah, so Ethan was very, very obese. He yep. was actually, so he was in... Uh, remember the Titans uh, and... Yep. Uh, American History Act. Yeah. Remember the Titans. Um, and he, he said that. He was like, you know, I lost weight, but I got to the point where I couldn't lose any more weight. And I thought it was because of the carbs in, like, you know, vegetables or whatever. You know, meanwhile, he's like, I'm dumping oil in everything. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know Keto nacho cheese and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he's like, once I started, he's like, the, common, the commonality is when I was having these weight inspired, you know, restricting calories is when I form that tank. So again, you know, keto or intermittent fasting or plant-based or whatever, these would be like your different methodologies, mm-hmm. right? Just like a cover two defense yeah. or a, or we run the ball or a, 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 a West Coast office, right? They can all work, but which one you choose should probably depend on the situation, right? Mm-hmm. It should probably depend on your individual psychology as well and what you prefer, right? Like, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like, if you've got somebody who, they come from an Italian family, right? I mean, they love their pasta. pasta. you got to do keto. Well, that's like taking, you know, a typical drunk back quarterback who's immobile and say, you know what, we're going to put you in the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, wishbone. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it's just not a good idea for that particular situation, yeah. right? So that's kind of how I view it. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime you start to get – and everybody's got tools that they tend to prefer more than another, right? Like I, I tend to prefer flexible dieting because that's what I like and I found successful clients that. But I also understand it's not appropriate for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the main thing to look out for when you're when – you're, because it's really hard for people to navigate the landscape of nutrition experts. Because everyone has an opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really look for people who they provide a lot of context. They don't use a lot of you know black and white statements or superlatives. Um, 
and they use the words "it depends" or even the the dreaded words "I don't know." You know, mm. but, yeah. Mm. Uh, when I give seminars, I'm, when I give seminars, I'll tell people, I'm like, you're going to hear me say the, the three magic words at some point today. I don't know. Yeah. And that's okay, you know. And I think um, when I hear somebody say that, it actually increases my confidence in them because oh. I I I think. They know what they know, and they also know enough to know when they don't know. Yeah, right. I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah. agree. As as we wrap this up, I mean, we could sit here and talk for oh, hours, gosh, yeah. four or five hours. We we really appreciate your time. As we wrap this up here, if if I want to go online, if I want to go on Google, other than your stuff, and let's let's let you plug your website, your Instagram, all that good stuff at the end. But before we get to that, what are some good resources? Um, we have your book, Fat Loss Forever. Uh, what are some other people that you look at in the nutrition field that you trust? Because, um, again, we're not necessarily looking for opinions. We just want the facts. And, but yeah. there's just so many different varying. So who are some people that you look for? Who could I go Google if I want to learn more about this stuff? Yeah, so I think um, a little bit of a shameless plug. I think that uh, Fat Loss Forever is fabulous. And it's not your typical weight loss book like everybody tends to think of it. Mm-hmm. It's not selling any one particular methodology going to give you the blueprint of how to learn to use different methodologies to, to get what you want. So um, as far as uh, other people, obviously my wife, she's got a master's in dietetics. She's also um, top 10 in the world uh, figure model. She's amazing, very hardworking, very intelligent. Uh, you guys are going to love speaking with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, as far as other people go, we also have a team of coaches that work for us called Team BioLane, and, and most of them have master's degrees and coach people for a long time you can if you go follow us on instagram you'll hear us talk about them as far as other people you know outside of kind of the companies and, and that sort of thing uh they don't exist no, I'm just, <laughs> just us just us just us um, no there's some really good ones out there i think with regards to you know resistance training uh brad schoenfeld yep. is absolutely excellent probably he is the number one hypertrophy researcher in the world um, he's amazing. Brad. What's uh, yeah, what's amazing. his uh, Instagram? Brad Schoenfeld. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll show you after. Yeah. After. He's written a couple books. He's absolutely incredible. Um, uh, Stuart Phillips. He is the he. Him and Brad are actually the number one and number two most cited exercise science researchers in the world. Mm. And Stu is actually um, a really good uh, expert nutrition as well. Um, he's on. Uh, I think his Instagram stuff. It's like Mac in Prof. M-A-C-K-I-N-T-O-R-S. But if you just search Stu Phillips, you'll find it. Mm, okay. Uh, he's excellent. Uh, Eric Helms. Eric Helms is another person mm. I highly recommend. Uh, Eric, I've done uh, seminars with him before. He's excellent. Uh, Mike Israel and uh, Spencer Nadolski as well. They're with uh, Renaissance Periodization. They're excellent. Um, I'm probably leaving out. Brett Contreras. Really good people. Um, the other thing you can do is if you go to Instagram, Check out the people I follow and the people yeah. I repost and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, you'll, you'll see kind of, you know, I'm not following anybody that's, um, uh, that's just fluff. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So but those, those would be some of my uh, top. Oh, uh, Greg Knuckles, also yeah. very excellent. Very good. Uh, Eric, Eric Trexler, um, those, those guys are all excellent. Yeah. So I think that those, if you follow just the people I talked about just now, you have an excellent start. Well, and you, you said shameless plug, and, and I'll back that up. Uh, I read a book. It was actually by Eric Helms. 
I forget who the other person was. This was years ago. The Muscle and Strength Pyramid. I don't know if you yep. remember. You remember that book? Yep. And, yep. and from a strength training standpoint and from a nutrition standpoint, at the time, those were the two best books I'd ever read until yep. Fat Loss Forever when I read your book. And so I, I, will, I will 100% back up what you said. This book, despite your ability to be able to just speak completely over our heads, you did an amazing job of quote unquote, dumbing it down, making it information that we, that I could consume as a novice. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't recommend fat loss forever, you know, any more highly than, than, um, it's one of the, let me tell you, let me say this doc, I'm going to tell you this, this guy, Ben Gibbs right here to my, my right, your left, I guess it would be consumed <laughs> that fat loss forever. Yeah. Consumed that book. I, I couldn't get, put it down. He put, I don't know how many calories you put on. <laughs> no, I was, I was knocking my knees. So I was good. I, I was burning calories. <laughs> but, but, uh, that makes you feel great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm very excited about our app as well. Our app has absolutely uh, exploded. Tell, tell us the name of the app again. I was serious when I read carbon diet. Um, it's Carbon Diet Coach, and you can find it on the uh, Apple App Store as well as the Android and the Google Play Store. So we're, at, we're on iOS and Android. Uh-huh. Um, and the website is joincarbon.com. Join and, Carbon? Uh, joincarbon.com. Yeah, and it's it's uh, an app that was created by myself, my wife, uh, Keith Crocker, who's another registered dietitian and one of our team BioLane coaches. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, we just basically... It's what we do. Is to, so it's not just, you know, there's a lot of calorie calculators out there, a lot of macro calculators. It doesn't just do that. It gives you that, but then it also, every week you check in with the coach and the system will adjust you based on how you mm. respond to the, to the macros uh, and based on what your goal is. And it's just, it's really good. We've actually, uh, we just went over the 11,000 uh, member mark. Nice. Uh, awesome. And we've only been around, I think we've, we've been out less than two months. So wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Around. We got uh, 4.8 stars on the app store, which is really hard to get. Mm. And uh, yeah, we're very proud of it. So There's a lot of haters out there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 4.8 out of 5. A lot of people have actually said that reading Fat Loss Forever and then using the app, it just, they're like, it made everything I'm doing with the app make complete sense. Mm-hmm. But I hate math. <laughs> well, um, at only yeah, 10 bucks a month i mean that's a no-brainer yeah, yeah. that is a no-brainer uh, we, yeah we we think it's 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 really great it also comes with a food tracker as well so you don't have to worry about you know entering it in in another app or whatever it's all it's all right there so that's awesome we're super we're super pumped we think that has a chance to change a lot of people's lives and um, you know, obviously at a price point that can help a lot of people regardless of their income level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're also on Instagram yeah. at, at BioLane, correct? Yeah. At BioLane. Uh, my website is BioLane.com. Mm-hmm. You can find the book at BioLaneStore.com. And, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much me. I'm, that's I'm awesome. Much and I'll plug I'll plug this. Uh, you do like week, weekly videos that address like current you know topics. Like you just did one on fasted exercise, right? Like the benefits yeah. and you know the disadvantages of it, the science behind it. It really is. And and again, you you have such a a depth of knowledge um, on like a scientific level and can speak so intelligently about it. 
But again, these are very informational videos and really good tools and encourage encouragement for people that maybe not know, but Hey, I heard it on the street that like, this is what you're supposed to do, but you actually will back it with, with science. And those are really, really good tools. And so I would highly, highly recommend following bio lane, uh, on Instagram. Thank you guys. Yeah, yeah man. On YouTube and we put all those videos up on our website. Yep. Yeah, I try to I try to keep the content coming. Thank you so much right. for your time. Ben's gonna Ben's gonna hit you with our closer. Uh, we like to we like to end every episode with this, and I'm I'm interested to see. Yeah, because there's different phases in your life that I'm sure you could go back to. But yeah, so we typically on our show we talk about the journey, and we talked about your journey a little bit. So the question I like to ask every guest at the end is, if you could go back to any point in your life and ask your or tell yourself one thing. Where would you go and what would you tell yourself? You know, I would probably go back to when I was about about 12 years old, 14 years old, where I felt I had very low self-esteem. Um, and I would just tell myself, listen, nothing I'm going to say is going to make you feel that much better because you're just, you're getting beat, you know, you're not physically beat up, but mm-hmm. physically beat up every day at school and whatnot. But, you have a lot of value and you're going to make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. Just keep working hard and trust the work. That's mm. what I would tell them. Yeah. Trust the Love work. That. Then it's going to be there. You know, a lot of people say trust the process, but I say screw that. Trust the work. Yeah, you love know, that. That's, that's what makes the process is the work. So that's I would right. go back and tell myself, just trust it. You're, you're going to be okay. Love that. I think we could all hear that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Doc, we, we really appreciate your time, man. And uh, we will continue to follow. And, and, and for all our, our guests that, and that uh, are people that tune, tune into our show, man, we're going to be pushing them to you uh, because you bring so much wisdom to what we do. And, uh, hey, we're trying to get better. And, right. and thank you for, for providing that edge for us. No worries. Thank you guys so much for having me. I, I'm uh... – I think you guys are going to love talking to my wife, too. She's awesome. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot.